0: This is your home for St. Cloud State hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC.
1: One score! In a bomb from WCHA. So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores. Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies.
0: The National Hockey League.
1: Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win.
0: Welcome in to episode number 56 of the Huskies Warming House podcast, our first ever live show. Nick, super excited to be joining my co-host who is in a very special place, uh, not only mentally but physically as well, getting ready for some St. Cloud State hockey against Mankato tomorrow. Uh, but before we get started, we would be remiss if we do not mention our one and only quote unquote sponsor of the show. This live episode is brought to you by Center Eyes View News and Notes. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Eyes View provides with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Nick, episode number 56 here, and uh, welcoming you into the show. Nick, uh, could you maybe enlighten listeners a little bit? You're clearly in a hotel, but
1: where exactly are you at? We're in Pittsburgh, baby. So, uh, you know, getting ready for uh, the big game tomorrow, uh, just a few blocks away from uh, PPG Paints Arena. So uh, uh, Huskies and the Mavericks slated to, to drop the puck here, 5 Eastern, 4 Central, on the SPN 2 and, uh Going to be in the building to see uh, exactly how this tilt is going to go, and it's going to be a fun. No, I can't wait to see this uh, hockey team try to battle and trying to put themselves in a position to uh, go to a spot no other NCS2 team has ever gone to, and that's the National Championship game. Yeah, super excited. Uh, One, to see the footage of
0: kind of everything you capture there, but two, hopefully what you capture there is a couple of Huskies victories. Uh, I'm actually in Minot, North Dakota, sitting inside a broadcast studio, nonetheless. They were nice enough to rent me out the entire studio tonight, so um, not to say we're high profile, but we just might be. Speaking of live shows, Nick, and the fact that I was hoping I could join you in Pittsburgh just didn't work out that way. I do want to um, bringing a little memento that I found in my pocket as you can see we're both wearing dress clothes for this show um, I found this in my pocket Nick uh, do you happen to know what this
1: media pass is from I know exactly where that's from that is the last time I ever saw your face in person and thank god it was the last time no I'm <laughs> totally kidding Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, it was the, the last uh, regular season series from the 2019-2020 season, and unfortunately the Huskies unable to really get things done there, two losses up there in Ensoil Arena, but that was a year ago, and what a difference a year makes here. Is again the Huskies now one of the final four teams left in of College Hockey here, and now in Pittsburgh looking to take on some hardware that they have never taken home before.
0: Yeah, super excited to get the show started for our listeners here. We have a couple of pre-show questions that we will jump into uh, for people who are watching watching especially on that youtube page jump in the live chat send us some listener questions Uh, i'm definitely going to be popping back and forth Um, i'm managing about three screens at once here so sorry if i don't see your chat right away but we'll try to be on top of it as much as we can um, we might as well start with a listener question, Nick, and that comes from our friend Caleb Peabody here, and this one was, uh, I guess, pretty cut and dry here. He had a couple of questions, but first let's start with uh, the main gist of why we're here. What has He asked, what has impressed you and I uh, the most so far for the Huskies versus both Boston University and Boston College in that Northeast Regional? Uh, Nick, for you, what kind of stud out stuck out for this St. Cloud State Huskies team?
1: Uh, to me, it was just resilience, you know, and not really letting the ebbs and flows of the hockey game really get to them. Uh, I think, you know, when you go back to, uh, unfortunately, some certain regionals and in some certain city, uh, maybe it's a North Dakota too. <laughs> uh, but I, I think what struck me uh, about those teams, right, they were very talented teams. They had very successful regular seasons. But you know, the one thing that we didn't see from those uh, teams, Noah, was a, just a really a grasp on getting through those tough moments and big situations, right? And for the Huskies, we mentioned it before in the last episode, um, I've been very vocal about that as well, was, you know, St. Cloud had to come back from giving up the first goal in both these contests. And these are two very good teams at Boston University and Boston College, both just laden with talent. A lot of those already under NHL prospect list, uh, and they just were able to just climb back of the way and get it done. And to me, that was one of the two things that impressed me the most. But the second thing was you, you talk about how the game is played, especially at this level. You see it in the NHL, especially where you know that speed and that skilled game is, is still prominent, but really what gets teams to that next level is those in tight sort of those net front battles uh, and just in, you know, those 50-50 battles and winning loose pucks. And St. Cloud did that. Um, to me, getting from the net and, and not being afraid to take a beating in front of the crease and really making two very good goaltenders' lights in front of them very, very difficult. Uh, and I talked about Spencer Knight again for Boston College. Uh, in the last matchup for the Huskies, an incredibly talented goaltender, again a, a first-round pick to the Florida Panthers. And there's, you know, you don't go goal as a goaltender in the first round. though you and I both know this. Uh, unless you're very, very talented. But with any or any human being, if you take away their vision and have bodies in front, there's a lot of things to track. And for the Huskies, to get themselves in that spot able to battle through, win some loose pucks, second and third chance opportunities. And then, as we mentioned, Will Hammer, especially, I think that was steam those, we were uh, able to win a third chance opportunity and to put the Huskies up in that contest. So to me, those are the two things that stick out to me. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, for the Huskies, that has to continue. In fact, in, in my opinion, it has to even get better. You're gonna have to be willing to put the battle face on at another level here. Now you're playing Mankato, a team you just saw about 16 months ago, and it was a pretty good throbbing by the Huskies, seven to two, this is a whole different contest, a whole different date of the Huskies. You're going to have to go back to what made you successful at UNBC if you want to hit your ticket to the national championship game here in just a couple of days.
0: Yeah, I like the fact that you mentioned Will Hammer, and I, I know that ESPN kind of had the segment of him being the unsung hero for the St. Cloud State hockey team, and I, for those who know St. Cloud State hockey, he's not unsung by any means. He's a leader in that locker room, a leader on and off the ice with his play, and I think there's a lot of guys that fit in that category. And what impressed me the most, going back to Caleb's question, is just the makeup of this team and we've talked about it before this is and this is no offense to them this is not the most skilled St. Cloud State hockey team we have ever witnessed but the makeup of this group the the buy-in that they have you know you have your guys like Spencer Meyer who Spencer Meyer's not a big guy that gets on the score sheet Luke Jacobs isn't a big score sheet type of guy but they're doing the little things right in front of the net they're doing the little things in each zone of the ice that are getting the job done and I think a culmination of a guy like Will Hammer a gritty goal in front of the net I think it just shows is that this st cloud state team is they're just willing to go to those areas not that the other teams of the past weren't but this group just has found a way in those gritty areas to get that extra leg up and that extra edge and i've been really impressed with just the resiliency and the response to adversity um i don't know if it has anything to do with uh brett larson and the coaching staff but did you notice uh in the bu and bc games uh his hair was, or lack of hair, I should say, was looking a little more shinier than usual. I don't know if he actually puts a little turtle wax on that or what the deal was, but uh, I thought he looked pretty good and uh, pretty good coaching strategy as well, too. We did get one live comment, Nick, and it was from our boy Caleb Peabody, and he likes the suits that we're wearing. So appreciate it, Caleb. Always love hearing from you there. <laughs> um, Caleb actually had a follow-up question here, Nick, and it was actually, what is the key Now, against Mankato. And I thought we could have a little bit of fun with this, Nick, because we got another listener who said that they did not believe that our two-minute previews were actually like one-take wonders. They believe that we did them a couple times before we did them. How do you feel about that?
1: I feel that oh, that means that we're doing a good job, honestly. The magic of television and the magic of doing what we do, Noah, is making some things look like, there's a lot of chaos behind the scenes, except for me. There's just a couple of looks on the king bed. But for the most part, it's about how you make some of those dynamics look seamless. And I think that's just a testament of what we can do. But I agree with you. I think it's time that we, we put the two-minute preview to the test, mm-hmm. meaning to show that it is really a one take for us. You know, it, it's a very quick... Off the cup type segment, and uh, I actually, I think it's one of my favorite segments to do with Noah, just because it's right after the winner or the loss um, between you and I, who are both former hockey. We see some of the things that already either contributed to the loss or the win. Uh, so to us, it's just kind of regurgitating some of those talking points. And to us, uh, it, it's actually I think easier than it is to do something like this, which is a little bit more long term. So, uh, but I'm with you. Let's let's go ahead and set the clock for two minutes, if we shall, and let's talk about this matchup against Makato in two minutes. So I'll let you. Start off as usual, and then I'll go ahead and fill in my gap here when you go and introduce us
0: definitely so for those who are wondering i'll buy you a little bit of time if you want to pull up your clocks you want to pull up your timers here i've got my timer here getting ready do we use a timer yes we do um i should say i use a timer because i struggle bus pretty hard nick max is pretty good about keeping his segments at the appropriate length so we're going to do our best here this is our first ever live two minute preview breaking down the keys to tomorrow's game against mankato state so starting in three two and one Two minute preview here from the Huskies Warming House podcast. I'm Noah Grant, joined alongside my co-host in Nick Maxon. Nick, it's a matchup that we've been waiting not only this year, but a couple of years for uh, in St. Cloud State hockey history, and that is a game in the Frozen Four. St. Cloud State versus Mankato. Uh, winner take all, moving on to the national championship game to face the winner of Duluth and UMass, which will be a good one in and of itself. St. Cloud, uh, a couple of keys for them right out of the gate. I would say their start's going to have to be imperative. We talked about about it all year what they can do when they finally you know put their foot on the gas pedal from the get-go their second periods have been great their third period has been phenomenal they finish games really really strong why not grab that first 20 minutes put yourself in a really good spot and then don't let your foot off the gas I'm really confident that David Rennick is going to continue his strong play Uh, you just need total buy-in from this group don't let the emotion level get too high and too low and above all get those first shifts in
1: and have a little bit of fun You know, I agree with you, Noah, but there's one thing I will say that is, even if this team does not start off strong, you have to understand the resiliency of this club gives you a little bit of confidence, right? Again, we just about a BU and BC down. The one-nothing of both those games and were able just to shrug it off, understand that, you know, hey, there's plenty of hockey left to be. It didn't rattle them, which I think if if you want to compare Huskies' teams of past, not again that were taking anything away from those hockey clubs, but that was the one thing we couldn't get over was that adversity inside the game, right? And again, you're at a national stage right now, too. So you, like you said, you can't let the stage You can't let the emotions of being in the national semifinals get to your head. You just gotta prepare that this is another just another hockey game on another weekend. Yes, it's April you know, gonna be April eighth by the time these teams play. But if you wanna continue to play hockey, just go out. You've studied your film. You've done your pre- you know your preparation. Go out there and do your game plan execute. And, again, don't try to do too much. And I think everything will just come easy for this hockey club. If they just do the simple things, not try to overcomplicate their strategies on the ice. Should be a
0: good one. 4 p.m. Central time is Puck Drop at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Two minutes and nine seconds there. Boom! Two minutes and 20 seconds is the uh, – video limit for Twitter. So that is exactly how that one is done from the Huskies Warming House podcast. Nick, I believe you actually have a question as well uh, that slipped into the archives. Yes.
1: I did, yeah. So we had a, a listener question come in and the pretty interesting question. That is Bob Motzko and Brett Larson, right? Three into their respective teams and respective you know organizations. And the question was hey right now in the National Bob Moscow at home, right? That a testament of where they are as an organization. Now, my answer to this is a little bit of both. It's yes and no, right? Because at the end of yes, I know this Huskies fan base is still bitter about Bob Moscow leaving. I will tell you this: any player, any person that has been in the game of hockey in the state of Minnesota, if you're on the Twin Cities area, or I should say more affectionately, if you're not around or close to the Bulldogs, the Huskies, the Fighting Hawks. Some people still call them the Sioux, but they haven't been around for a while. <laughs> um, at the end of it, you know, seriously, though, um, you still have this, this iconic franchise that is the golfers. They do have this, like, level of prestige to them, honestly. And I hate to say it, but Bob Motzko was with the Huskies for quite a number of years. And, you know, after a couple of early exits, I think there was some writing on the wall there, Noah, that a new opportunity was probably best for him and for the organization. Now, with Brett Larson coming to the fold, he's fresh. Off of a national championship right this guy comes in under scott sandlin uh he's kind of a i don't want to call him a new age coach but at the end of it where are we at three you know three years from now well here's my argument it's really maybe one win away from being exactly where the huskies are at right now if you don't count a, a kind of a to Mankato. and you got to give credit again to the mavericks they played a very very sound game and for Minnesota, it just seemed as if really that they, ex- you know, it just expelled all their energy in that semifinal game in the regionals. And they just didn't really seem to have anything left in the tank come to that regional so, championship game in Colorado. So can we actually talk about that? Because I know this was actually a thing about um, Bob Maso's
0: comments actually following that second game and talking about how, you know, he was kind of upset about the time change and that sort of thing, kind of the lack of, I guess, rest that the Minnesota Golden Gophers got in terms of the turnaround. And I thought about it a little bit because part of me is like, hey, you got a chance to punch your ticket to the Frozen Four. It doesn't matter if you get two hours of sleep or 15, get the job done. That's what it takes. So I think in some respects, the fans are definitely right. I mean, Bob Mosco definitely can't be making excuses on that front. But there's also a little bit of merit to this, just a little bit. Because if you think about it, by the time the game was over for Minnesota, they had the late night, that late cap game, plus being pushed back because of that overtime as well for Mankato earlier against Quinnipiac. They probably didn't get to bed until two o'clock in the morning. And now you might say, well, yeah, they didn't play until the primetime slot the next night. Well. Hockey players are subject to routine. They're creatures of habit, right? And when you're not going to bed, you know, when you're normally playing, you know, a 6 30 or 7 o'clock game and you, you're you able to get home and get to bed at, you know, or get to the hotel at 11, 11 30 and get into bed, that's a lot different than two o'clock. So should the Gophers have showed up and gotten the job done? Yeah, but I think if Minnesota would have played their game, they would have given Mankato a real heck of a run. So the fatigue factor might be a little piece of that, but I just wanted to kind of clarify that where, he's got a little bit of a point because as hockey players know, I mean, rest and recuperation is a big piece of that. Now on the other side, North Dakota almost knocked off Duluth, uh, you know, in five overtimes after playing against AIC the night before. And Duluth was fresh as far as that was concerned. You know, the Huskies knocking off BC. So it goes both ways. But, you know, to say that his comments have zero merit, I think it's important to clarify that going to bed at 2 a.m. when you're a hockey player is going to bed at 2 a.m. It's just like going to a job or anything like that. So um, just wanted to point that out. But to your point, Nick, as you mentioned about Brett Larson and kind of the transition of this program here, uh, Brett Larson's a very good hockey coach. And I think that you do have to give Bob Motzko credit for the culmination and the building that he has created, you know, it, you know building this program. But Brett Larson has really taken it over.
1: Hundred percent, and you know, to me, honestly, three years—it's not long enough to really understand where things are now. Do, is there indications of where things are going? Absolutely, right? For Bob Mosko and for Brett Larson, I think there's two different coaching styles at play here, right? Uh, for Bob Mosko, the my way or the highway, maybe the old school Daryl Sutter uh, sort of mentality. You're at a program like the golfers where. You know, success is not necessarily, you know, it's one, it's an expectation. Let's be honest with you. You know, you don't go and play for the Gophers and not have some kind of weight on your shoulders, but even before you shoot up uh, to play hockey for this club. Uh, on the second club, you know, you, you and I know I have talked to multiple players uh, on this roster, the head coaches multiple times. And the one thing that kind of resonates, which at least for me, and too, is just the culture of this, hockey, uh, of this hockey team. And that is, there's a, a much more of a family atmosphere to it. And, and I know we talked about Will Hammer before, but, you know, if you look at Will Hammer, I- I- is he a guy that's, you know, going to be a Connor McDavid? Is he a guy that's going to be a Leon Dreissel? No. But what Burt Larson has done, and what great hockey coaches do, is they take what they have and they get the most and the best out of those players, right? Will Hammer is a face-off specialist. He trusts him in both key offensive and defensive zone faceoff type situations. We see that all the time, and we've seen that throughout this season. Um, at the end of it, again, Sam Hatches, uh, you know, you could say that, you know, he's seventh-round pick of the Wild, and he's got a lot of offensive upside. But, uh, again, getting the most out of each player is a key to success. You can't walk into – this level at the NCAA tournament and not have three or four lines deep of players bind into your system. And I just think again, that the way that these coaches differently approach their programs, uh, I think coach Larson has very much of the, it's a family atmosphere. I want to, you know, I want to help you. I want to develop you. There's that. Whereas Bob Motzko. And you know, I don't want to speak before him, but it's a certainly seen outside looking that it's come ready to play. This is how I want you to play. And if we there's the bench, the press box, and that's where you'll be sitting. So mm-hmm. um, I still think, to wrap this point up, I think you still need two to three more years of, you know, just sort of watching to see where these programs go. And let's be honest, Bob Motzko has revitalized the Gophers. He has. Again, one different, you know, uh, results, and the Gophers are still sitting here in Pittsburgh instead of Mankato. So they're not that far behind. You now, the question is, you know, after four – 5 years as being the head coach where do these recruits who've gone through four full seasons with these head coaching programs are they you know talking that same kind of you know attitude and greatness towards other recruits you know is there sort of that you know that that word speak on the street if you want to call it for each programs i think saint cloud has it I still think Minnesota has it now with Bob Mouskow. The question is, you know, as you year five and six, you know, how long is that strategy? You know, what's that shelf like look like? And I do think Brent Larson's in a good situation and pretty much proof, again, what the coaching staff he has around him. He can't, you know, fault him. And again, the leadership in that long. room. he doesn't have just one, two, three, a captain the see do A's. You can almost argue in St. Cloud, there's a whole half of that bench that could be captains. And I think that's what separates SCSU from the golfers in that respect is just the leadership and the amount of leadership in that locker room as well.
0: Yeah, you just talk about the drive from these players. I know when we had Luke Jacobs on, he kind of alluded to it as well as uh, how they've continued to kind of mold, continue to get better, continue to grow, grow, you know, when they're talking about Nick Oliver and that coaching staff, you know, doing their job. And you think about guys that you know have question marks throughout the season we see that uh you know as we progress through the year one guy that's a perfect example of this right now is David Rennick we talked about when is the most important hockey that we want David Rennick to be playing yes we wanted to be keeping people you know keeping the team in in games, but at the at the end of the day, when you get to playoff time, that was where we need David Rennick to show up, and he's done that so far. So you talk about players that you trust the process, you trust in the growth, and the, you know Luke Jacob's also alluded to. You know if these guys you know are having troubles off the ice, as far as you know what they're doing in their personal lives and they you know feel like that that's compounding on the ice in their play as well they're first and foremost concerned about the guys as people as opposed to players and i know from you and i in experience with dealing with the coaching staff especially a guy like brett larson you could walk up to brett and you could talk to him for an hour about hockey although i don't know if you'll find brett with enough free time for an hour to talk to him but he would love to talk to you if he could actually find that um a couple of questions here Um, uh, from John Lentz here actually in our live chat here, Nick. So first, uh, this one pertains to you. Uh, Nick, uh, how was your chocolate tart and uh, where did you happen to eat some
1: food today? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, chocolate <laughs> tart was just the uh, icing on the cake and no, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> I spent my dinner at a restaurant, what's called Altius. It's A-L-T-I-U-S. And uh, for those, uh, I did a Twitter live stream before I went in. Uh, it's on the opposite side of the uh, the river here from downtown. Um, it's high above the perch. And uh, I had a quite a big of a walk to get there, Noah. Uh, <laughs> again, being in Pittsburgh, it was probably about a three mile walk and that entire thermometer is up a 30% grade. And so, for those who say I didn't earn that dinner, um, no, I absolutely did earn that dinner. Um, but that chocolate <laughs> tart was amazing. And so, you know, each course that that, uh, that that restaurant serves is fantastic. But more importantly, for those who have checked out my Twitter at the Puck Scribe, uh, that view that's outside, and mind you, it's a oh, yeah. double decker restaurant. So, when you walk in, there's a the stairs that lead up to one part of the dining room, and then you can scroll straight ahead for the second part. That second part, that lower main level, actually filmed the scene from the movie Concussion because uh, and the reason why you see that is if you look in the background there's a scene where you could see that uh what's called the Duchenne incline where they would actually take folks back in the 1950s and 60s as a way to get them from the top of that hill all the way down towards the riverbed um and it, it's pretty much a tourist attraction now uh, so it's more you know hearsay there say it's pretty popular but you'll see that in the background of that movie script but that that restaurant is just fantastic and you know, I've worked in the service industry for, for a, a number of years, and, you know, I have always loved to give gratitude to to restaurants who can execute at a high level. Uh, the staff was absolutely pleasant, and, uh, you know, when you can nail different things from the appetizer to the dessert to the main course and hit them at five star everything, I mean, that, that's a testament to how good that place is, and uh, for any of you that's visiting in Pittsburgh, please shout out LTS. It will it, never let you down, and for, the, for for what you're getting, the price will be very, very reasonable.
0: I like it. I like it. We got a couple more questions here coming in, Nick uh, and Caleb Peabody, being himself as usual. Uh, uh, he says, first of all, once we win the Natty, go get us McDavid and bring him home to the Wild. Sorry, Caleb, I don't think that one's. <laughs> I don't think that one's happening. I, I got to be honest no. with you. Um <laughs> He's also clearly is now entered the chat. Yeah, actually, Caleb Peabody has <laughs> continued to enter the chat and also asked why he hasn't placed room service food orders yet because he's very hungry as well. Um, but. A couple of stories related to the senior class here, Nick, uh, one coming from John Lentz again. And then we have one, a preview or a pre-show question from Sid Wolf. John Lentz asks, how cool was it for the Mick Hatton story on Easton, uh, you know, needing to know the final score before he went under the knife as far as, um, you know, his surgery was concerned? I, I got a chance to check that out. I mean, w- what were your thoughts on that? I thought that, you know, that should, to me, that's just prototypical hockey players to a T, and, and I love to see it from the get-go, you know?
1: Well, we just talked about it, right? No one that is, you know, when you have a group that's so close knit, and you know, granted, you know, when you watch that hit against Brzezinski, and you could hear it too. Uh, I still remember being in Duluth a couple of years ago when Kepner took that hit from Nick Wolf, and when that broke the right? Hear it in the press box. There was no question that was a thunderous solid clean body check and uh, unfortunately for Eastern Brazilska that's exactly what that was there's nothing you know malicious but unfortunately you know when you have a collision those things happened and, and, but it's still interesting and we see that at the NHL level too when what's I think the big one is in Boston Rich Peverly right uh, where he goes down to blocks um, a shot with his tibia, baby. He breaks it. Stays out there for the next, I believe, a minute forty-five seconds on the penalty kill, Noah, just because he did not want to get off the ice are, and put this team wait, down another man, even I, though we're down five-four. Are, are you talking um, Rich
0: Peverley or Greg Campbell?
1: Greg Campbell, thank yeah. you. So, yeah, I know so I, I've known so <laughs> many players that they often just get you know kind of in my head. So I apologize. That's no, right. Greg Campbell, you're absolutely right. Rich Rich Peverley was the one that had the heart attack on yeah. the Dallas bench. Yeah. Still. So, Either way, not great. So, um, but it, it just shows you the, the the hockey player mentality, right? Which is it's always team first. But you have to have a culture that says that they want to buy into that. You know, Brodsky, You know, for a guy that's a senior, a guy that you know, I, I can't even imagine you know, going through what he's gone through in terms of two very tough 1st round exits, you know, against Air Force as well as AIC, and then seeing how this group was able to come through. He's part of that win uh, against BU, and then be part of that game against BC, and then, you know, again, I think it's just natural to, you know, hey, I, I know I'm hurting, but before I do this, I want to make sure my team actually finishes the job because, hey, I want to peacefully knowing that, you know, if my leg is getting – repairing my teammates actually pulled it off so uh that it's just, like you said it's prototypical hockey hockey culture and uh, uh to me again another sentiment to Ethan Brozinski is uh, as far as a player as well as a person off the ice and uh, on a separate note no I we do wish him the uh, the speediest of recoveries uh, from his leg surgery and uh, there's no question in my mind I know we had some NHL uh, conversations last offseason question uh to me even though he had an injury that he'll be getting some more conversations I believe after this season as well
0: yeah, nice to see him on the bench when the boys were checking out the rink as well the other day. Uh, of course, he, he's in the foreground, almost looking like he's ready to play again. And then Micah Miller, even through his mask, totally cheesing in that photo. Got to love it. Uh, and it actually goes into Sid Wolf's question very, very nicely. It's a premature question. We're going to put it out there right now that this is like you know, not really the time to discuss it, but I kind of wanted to frame it in a different context here. And her question was, how many seniors come back for a fifth year? Um, we're going to touch on that for sure in a later portion of the show. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Easton comes back. Wouldn't be surprised if Easton, you know, takes that next step. He's probably the one guy we could talk about just a little bit, like you mentioned, just because of his predicament there. But really, I think the where that answer comes from actually depends on the end of this week. I think it depends on how the boys do in the frozen four, you know, if you, you know, get so close to this point right now, I think the result is going to dictate whether some of these guys feel like they want another kick at the can, you know, hopefully as repeat national champions or where they feel like they're ready to move on and they've kind of lived it and they've had their time. So uh, to answer that one for you, Sid, Nick, if you have anything to chime in, my thought is I think you just got to wait a week and kind of see where things shake out as far as the season. And then those guys are going to go through that process. um, And we'll definitely touch on it on our show on a later date, Nick, Anything else to add on that one?
1: I do have some way too early predictions, if you want to call it. Uh, I think Fitzgerald is done, just based on the conversations Mm -hmm. I've had with them. uh, I think that uh, Fitzgerald has, you know, has uh, lived the hockey life that he's dreamt of. But I think also more importantly that he's ready to move on. Uh in my conversations, I, I think he's ready to start the next phase of phase of his life, which is in his career. And so I would put my money if there was a Vegas line that Fitzgerald does indeed go. I also will put uh Easton Brodzinski in that in that column as well. Um I think Easton, despite the fact that you know he's maybe not the prototypical complete player that he probably should most people think he they should be going to the NHL. He's got enough upside in the offensive side that he does garner some interest um, from some NHL clubs, uh, Will Hammer and some other guys. I think that's a little bit harder to call, harder to call but for Noah, I, I, you're absolutely right. If you were a national, you know, this is what you work for, right? So when you get and finally achieve that, you know, I think the decision becomes a little bit easier if you want to call it for the player and that is you know do i go back and try it again or you know i've lived it up and you know do i move on so and, and granted let's be let's be fair right and i don't know who these are specifically but i think some players know whether future is in hockey or whether it is not but i i, I think at the end of the day too the week i think each player is going to have a little bit more of a clear understanding for themselves of what they would like to do and uh, again that's uh, not too far along just about three or four days away
0: Yeah, just to reiterate, like you said, it's exactly what you work for. And uh, that decision, uh, it'll be coming in the next probably month or two, but uh, we're not at that point yet. We're at Uh, One of the most pivotal points in St. Cloud State hockey history Uh, and just really excited for for this moment. Uh, Nick, so you were one of the lucky ones, unlike myself, who actually ended up with a media pass here. Uh, So can you kind of detail for fans a little bit about what you're going to be doing as far as uh, not only taking in the Huskies game, but kind of your works and the many, many briefcases and suitcases (laughs) and equipment, hard drives and such that you have with you? Oh
1: my goodness. Four bags and luckily all of them made it to Pittsburgh. So, oh, oh my goodness. But uh, tomorrow's a very busy day. I'm going to be uh, doing a, a live shot with the UTVS U- U- uh, right outside of PPG Paints Arena for the 4 uh, p.m. news broadcast. And then I'll also be joining uh, Drew Steele as well as Blake Tyson on KVSC to discuss a little bit pre pregame uh, with them as well. And uh, those are at least the two that I have so far I would not be shocked if I was uh, added to a few more. But uh, at the end of it, you know, we're allowed, I think, in the arena right around 3 o'clock local time and uh, you know as well as I do that I'm going to be there probably at 2.59 to make sure I I can get and get settled in and get ready for a tilt. It's going to be a great battle and I cannot wait but that's uh, that day that's going to go for sure. I will be sticking around no matter what happens uh, between the Huskies tomorrow. Um, I will be sticking through uh, again UMass and uh, uh, UMD and then if the Huskies make it or they don't to the championship game I will be here covering that as well uh, just to kind of see because again UMD, if they are able to get past UMass, I mean, that could be one of a very few franchises that have made it a threepeat for the national championship, and so I think that would be obviously pretty cool to co- pretty cool to cover. And again, as we talk, you know, with these opportunities they don't come every year, so you know, when you get them, even as a media member, you want to take advantage of it. So to me, I'll be here all the way through Saturday night. We flying back to Minneapolis on Sunday, uh, so still so a lot of hockey to cover, and hopefully this Saint Cloud State team can be a part of the long journey here this Saturday evening.
0: Yeah, must be nice, Mr. Max. And Anyway, uh, also Derek Felska joined the chat and uh, telling us we're looking good as well. So I'd love to hear from you, Derek. <laughs> Ho- hope you're doing well and hope that teaching is going well and the kids aren't being too ornery this week. Uh, Kirby Wilcox, I kind of mentioned, not really a question here, um, but kind of wanted to talk about uh, a little bit about the trend that's going to be the free agency slash trade deadline, whatever you want to call it, in college hockey, something that we really haven't seen or really have a whole lot of experience with and that is the transfer portal opening up this year a couple of big name ticket items already off the docket a couple of big name tickets don't know where they're going to go is there a specific player again looking a little bit prematurely that you think um not only fits a st cloud state huskies mold but maybe has a legitimate chance of ending up as a husky
1: grant Kirkshank, 100 percent i would love like uh, that CC so Tiger. much <laughs> Grant Crouch-Shank, honestly, um, you know, he's a guy that to me, you know, and in, in first of all, I want to say this about Colorado College. Uh, what a wonderful job Mike Havlin did with that squad. Uh, I think people don't really understand how difficult it is to be a coach and recruit at Colorado College. You're competing with Denver, North Dakota, St. Cloud, and again, all the Minnesota schools. I mean, jeez. If I had, you know, I I wish I could hold a record of how many times these coaches are in Minnesota and Wisconsin looking for talent. And to know that when you're at a private college like CC is, and their tuition rate is 40 plus grand a year, right? Now they're opening a brand new building next year and it's gonna be absolutely gorgeous. But if I'm gonna be choosing between St. Cloud where the tuition rate, if I'm not getting into the full right scholarship is X amount of dollars versus Colorado college, you're already at a disadvantage there. Um, you know, and, and again, I, I think for what Mike uh, Havlin had to work with, which is some top-end talent, but a lot of it not so great top talent. I, I think he really tried to put in a system, honestly, uh, Noah, that was conducive to have him win. Um, but at but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think Greg Kerchek does fill that mold. Now he's got a lot of opportunities there on front of him. The question is, you know, what are the Huskies? You know, there, you know, is it mutual fit? Or is Grant Crookshake looking for something different? So it's going to come down to the player, obviously, but I would love to see him in a Huskies uniform because I think he's going to love to give to this program
0: yeah when you mentioned what mike Havlin had to work with i was just going to say in layman's term not much and that's a, that yeah. is what it is i uh, another guy that i wanted to a, um, ask about here and that is a uh, former bemidji state goaltender and former saint Cloud state recruit back in the day from mike gibbons and mr driscoll. driscoll um where do you think he ends up i know a couple of fans have been talking about maybe him making a return obviously Going back to Sid Wolf's point, might depend a little bit on what David Rennick decides to do as an LA Kings draft pick as well. Again, a premature question, but do you think that there ever is a possibility that Zach Driscoll ends up with the Huskies, or do you think that the the triple goaltending tandem that St. Cloud has right now uh, is well stocked for the future?
1: Hot take: He's not coming back to St. Cloud, and I can guarantee you that. And here's why: um, Number one, it does not matter, unfortunately. Sid Wolf's point: I don't think it matters at all, David Rennick. Um, i think judging by my conversations with uh, brett larson and some of the coaching staff they really like what they have in jackson castor and joey Lamaru. now if think this is the head coach right now most of us have seen the movie miracle right you know you talk about that one scene where Herb brush is like man I, how can i cut this guy he's worked his butt off for me how can i you know how can i do this to a player i truly do feel that brett larson is that type of coach where i think jackson castor yes it's been limited in minutes as well as Joey Lambert even more. But I do think that there's enough there where there's a little bit of a gamesmanship there here to play here, Noah. that is, you bring an outside goaltender, number one, was here prior, went to a different, you know, big Minnesota school, and then all of a sudden transfer portal. There's a little bit of chemistry sort of fit that conversation that has to be had there. I don't know how that would look from the players to come back. And, again, what does that say to both Castor and Lamoureux, and you know, as far as the conversations go. So it's not quite as simple as you make it think about it is. Um, is is uh, Zach Driscoll a great coaltender? Absolutely. But again, these are the sort of things that the coaches have to contemplate when they're talking about the transfer portal, and that is, A, do I have the room? Two, does it make sense to bring him in? And three, if I bring a player in, does it disrupt what I already have? You know, does it put my team to a level where even if it does drift, does not matter? I'm not sure you're going to get much more on a Zach Driscoll than you're already going to get Jackson Casher and Lamaru. I know I'm not sure if you have something to add to this, but to me, I'm thinking no way that Zach Driscoll does come back to the St. Claude State Huskies.
0: I definitely agree just because of the fact that if you're St. Claude State, and especially kind of why you're. You're waiting a little bit for uh, Jackson Caster and Joey Lammer to kind of have their shot. I mean, they're chomping at the bit and they're kind of, I don't want to say they're getting screwed over, but, you know, David Rennick is the guy right now. So they're kind of waiting for David to continue, you know, kind of end his time as a Husky and not because they want to see David go, but they want to play hockey. They want to be the guy, right? They want to be the next in line. And, uh, you know, I definitely think that they have a good goaltending tandem. The Huskies do moving forward. I want to talk about goaltenders, Nick, and another big storyline uh, related to the college hockey world, and that is uh, the UMass Minutemen. As far as their goaltending situation, having their backup goaltender be an equipment manager, they're down, I believe it's four players, including their leading scorer and uh, their goaltender, their leading scorer, who I, I, for, I cannot pronounce his name for the likes of me, but he had a hat trick for the first time uh, in his career in the Northeast Regional. So that's all that matters. But let's talk about that game. Everyone... Uh, has this opinion uh, you know, one way or another, and some people are saying, one, that UMass, it's game over and Duluth is going to have a walkthrough into the national championship game. I definitely agree with your head shaking right now. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a hockey game. Number two, they're saying that if Duluth makes the national championship game, that it's not going to be earned or well deserved. Uh, yeah, they had a buy against Mich- Michigan, but they played five OTs against the number one team in the country in their home state, in front of their home fans, and still got the job done. I mean, What more can you say about this group? Here's the other thing to think about, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Three out of the four teams that are in the Frozen Four will have a chance to win a national championship for the first time in their program's history. The only one that doesn't have that chance is Duluth, who is going for their third straight title. And as um, Bruce Siski pointed out uh, of Duluth, He pointed out that it would be the first time since 1966 that a a team that had less than 20 wins won a national championship as well. So a lot of storylines there would be well-deserved for every single team team that has an opportunity here. But what I wanted to ask you is, what are your thoughts surrounding this Minnesota-Duluth-UMass matchup? And ultimately, from a hockey perspective, who comes out on top?
1: So first of all, let's address the elephant in the room, right? There is nothing easy about winning a hockey game in Hockey. let's be very very clear um i absolutely am sick and tired of that argument honestly for the folks yeah. who want to claim that hey these guys are up with the number one goaltender, number one goal scanner done bye. no freaking way um let's go here's in it for the folks who don't believe me let's go back to the nchc conference in the pod right Let's talk about how difficult it is to win one game in that conference in the regular season, right? Uh it's just a gone, right? So for, for folks to say you is not earned their right to be there, be freaking S. Uh, first of all, you can't control what happens to other teams, right? Yes, Michigan fell unfortunately the COVID bit, right? Now, is there always gonna be a what-if question, Mark, in that matchup? Absolutely. Here's the thing: it didn't happen. Yes, Duluth went on by default, but it, you know a five overtime, absolute thrilling hockey game. And if there's one thing we've seen with this Duluth squad under Coach Sandlin, under key situations, especially in playoff type games, that team is some of the most composed, the most controlled. And the best structured teams that will ever be on the ice in college hockey, they absolutely earned that 5 over win against North Dakota. And honestly, are we really having the same conversation if North Dakota comes out on top? That, oh, Duluth lost to the number one team in the country? I mean, come on. You can't have it both ways. Number two, going to this matchup, right? It's still a hockey game that is happening. You have to go out there and play the game. Just because UMass is down players, if I'm if I'm a player on the UMass squad, right? And, and no one could test this so well, if it doesn't matter who's out, right? You know that some guy's are gonna have to come over and step up and fill in that hole, right? So it could it be a motivator? Absolutely. Now, is it still possible that the talent that's may not be able to overcome the Duluth? box? Sure. But in the national semifinals, national championships, to me, it's never been about the skilled games. It's the smart plays, it's the simple plays, and it's the dirty plays. It's getting into the areas of the ice. It's not these pretty tech-tac-toe classing plays. It's who is doing the little things right and who is executing those little things at a high level. Any one of these four teams, including the Huskies, can do that. So to me, I want to not hear any more of that argument that Duluth is not deserved to be here. And if they make it to the championship game, guess what? okay, you made it to the championship game. You still have to face either really good Mankato or a St. Claude State team, and you're still going to win that game to win your third straight national championship. And are we really going to say that it's a joke? This team has won three straight in a row? Absolutely not. You don't get three straight national championship contests as well as four straight national title game with talent, good coaching, and good execution on all those levels. So to me, it's a BS argument. It's a stupid argument. I don't ever want to hear it again.
0: Yeah, I just, um, well, one, don't shoot the messenger. And number two, I'm just scared that you keep trying to tell me about your dirty plays. <laughs> I remember what happened the last time you are trying to tell me about that. No, but um, you're totally right. And, and the funny thing is three out of the four teams have played both their regional games. And part of me was kind of like, well, the only other team that didn't play both their regional game was actually Duluth but Duluth had five OTs so part of me was kind of like how can anybody get to that point where they say oh they didn't play enough hockey to earn their right to be here (laughs) they played they played more hockey by default yes honestly
1: two and a half games
0: yeah exactly so (laughs) I I don't I don't buy the argument you know that that you you were just mentioning at all that you know that it's going to be a different outcome because of the the UMass piece of that yes is it different not having a starting goaltender in net you know when you is in the net yeah there's where duluth can really try to take advantage of that situation it's just the same as if he pulls his groin in warm-ups and all of a sudden the backup tendy comes in you take advantage of that situation the other thing i want to point out is this you want to talk about goaltenders and goaltenders rising to the occasion and both of duluth's goaltenders they're not world-class you know like out of this world you know they're not hunter shepherd but they're two very capable goaltenders i and i think a prime example of that is Goaltenders respond to adversity when Stace Gall gets taken out of the game, and Ryan Fanti has to come in and make six stops. And his first save is a high danger opportunity, right, you know, in the middle of the ice, and he just snaps it with his gloves and glove and says, "Yep, I'm dialed in. I'm ready to go. I've been sitting on the bench, haven't really touched the ice, you know, since warmups essentially." And I think there's something so, to be said about that. Not only that, not, no, not only Noah, but I hate to point
1: this out, but Huskies fans should be the there are more their team doesn't always win the hockey game. Am I gonna bring up AIC and 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 SCSU? Absolutely I am. AIC on on paper should not have it's against St. Cloud State, but guess what? ASC had a game plan, they executed it, and guess what? They took advantage of some two, you know, kind of, you call it soft goals, but guess what? They got the puck in the back of the net. They took away the strength of the Huskies team in that that situation, their skill and their speed, and guess what? They held their own when they had the lead. So don't tell me that anything in college hockey is not earned because ASC against St. Close they earned that victory with a very well-executed game plan, so it can happen, and the Huskies fans should be very well aware of that more than anybody in the country.
0: I love this. Uh, Caleb Peabody, Nick, you're going to like this, says, uh, Ask Nick when he isn't angry. So we got to let you calm down a little (laughs) bit here. Uh, If he rips the sleeves off of his dress shirt once the Huskies win the Natty. And uh, they're kind of wondering if you're going to turn green into the Incredible Hulk here. I've seen you angry. Um, I mean, it looks pretty much like that. Um, it usually involves a lot more expletives that we can't really put on this show. Um, but I'm very curious, honestly, maybe we should put out a poll uh, to kind of see who thinks w- wins, that Dul- wins that Duluth and UMass matchup. It's, it's a very interesting... Interesting conversation we're seeing here in the chat. Nick, um, I'm going to kick it over to you. What do you have for us? Uh, Kind of as our next portion of the show here, we are approaching around 45 minutes. We're going to try to run maybe just a little bit over an hour for the show. Uh, Nick, anything on your mind that you feel that you need to discuss besides the fact that my tie is way better than yours?
1: Well, yeah, that's why we're not discussing it, because there's no conversation. (laughs) Uh, On the second part of it, I do think, uh, Noah, that there is something to be said, and I think some Huskies fans have already forgotten about this. Easton Brozinski is not going to be in the lineup in this game, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I want to get your opinion on how that affects the Huskies moving forward against Mankato. Because, again, same one about Easton. He is a true and tried goal scorer. He's an offensive firehouse, regardless of, you know, maybe he'll, some things that he maybe needs to clean up in the back end. But, number one, how do the Huskies adjust, Noah? And two, I have an idea who you're going to pick, and I, I think you and I both studied this roster enough, where in his place, who does Brett Larson put in his spot, not necessarily on his line, but necessarily who fills his roster spot in the absence of senior forward, Easton Brodzinski?
0: Well, I think the guy that we're thinking of, maybe we could not be thinking of the same guy, but I was thinking of Joey Molinar as a guy that's in there as well. You know, he just he's earned it, and I I think that he's a guy that I look at him as, like you mentioned, he might not be up in that top six, but he's a guy that for a bottom six player kind of has a little bit of skill to his game, you know, a little bit of finesse, a little bit of finding those quiet areas in the game. He'll be just fine. You asked me uh, specifically, you know, how do the Huskies adjust, and more specifically, how does it affect them? I don't think it affects him in a negative way. In fact, I actually think it's a catalyst, similar to the tail end of that game against Boston College. You know, great moments, as Herb Brooks would say, are born from great opportunities. For Joey Molinar, this is a great opportunity. For a guy like maybe Kyler Kupka, this is a great opportunity to slot up in that top six and really show what you're made of. What better stage to do it than at PPJ Paints Arena in Pittsburgh in a frozen four? This is the time where St. Cloud State, they've been playing as the underdog All year, and I know Brett Larson, you know, and Nick Oliver and that coaching staff have talked about it, but even going back, right? Consensus says Duluth is the team to win it all. Consensus says, you know, Mankato, you know, they're really going to rely on Dryden McKay. Where is the St. Cloud State hockey coverage? in the regional tournament, in the Frozen Four. This team, it's so interesting and such a 180 from the years past where it was all St. Cloud State, the number one favorite. St. Cloud State, you know, they're this powerhouse hockey team. Now they're just flying under the radar. Keep it that way. Keep it that way. Keep it on cruise control, and I think if you're saying, Cloud, your guys like your Will Hammers, your gritty guys that, again, they might not pop on the score sheet, they're going to have to be the spark plug guys that are going to set the tone. Again, we talked about it at the end of the NCHC playoffs. If everyone plays like Zach Okabe did in that tournament, they will be just fine come tomorrow night, or tomorrow afternoon, I should say, uh, against Mankato, and for me, that's what the response has to be. You're missing a guy in your lineup? Fill that void by bringing your effort level from 110% to 120%. You know, fi- if you can't find a way in the semifinal game of the Frozen Four to elevate your play. Easton Brozinski in the lineup or not, something is wrong. But knowing that you have to fill that void on top of that, get some fluids in you, have a good warm-up, get that first shift out, get the nerves out, and go to work and get it done. This St. Cloud State team has a glorious, glorious opportunity to show everyone in the nation that they are no longer an underdog and hopefully, potentially, I shouldn't say hopefully because it would be a heck of a matchup, we could see an all NCHC matchup in the Frozen Four Championship game and a fifth straight NCHC champion. It would be the the last time that five straight champions came from the same league, 2002 through 2006, old WCHA, Minnesota, Denver, and Wisconsin. So I'm really excited about this. But Nick, uh, what do you think Joey Molinar brings to this lineup? And uh, what do you th- how do you think the Huskies respond in similar fashion?
1: I agree with you. Joy Molinar, to me, is the guy you bring up. Uh, to me, he's a guy. You know, unfortunately, there's just not a spot for him. But I do think he's got top six talent uh, in his hands. I think we've seen parts of that in his game. Uh, but again, you know, you talk about hockey's being creatures. Uh, you know, creatures of of habit, you have to have those reps. You have to have the opportunity to play top six minutes to really, you know, sort of show what you have. But for Joe Molnar, when he's been in that third slash fourth line role, he's played very, very well. And I think for Brett Larson, you know, you talk about teams with depth, right? Whether it's injuries or whether it's COVID stuff, you know, to have the depth at his disposal that Brett Larson has, I mean, what a treat. And honestly, it is for the staff to really know that as some guy goes down, you can slot another play in. Maybe you know, you'll mix some players around in your lineup and still have a comp- You can roll four lines as you did. Uh, again, I've said this all The St. Cloud State team is it's at its best when Brett Larson can roll four lines. There's not a team that does well when Brett Larson and the coaching staff can shorten the bench. And to me, uh, at the end of it, uh, if I'm the starting lineup, to me, I'm starting Molnar, I'm starting Hammer, and I'm also starting Kuka. And here's why or Jerry Cockrell. Uh, you want to get, like you mentioned, those butterflies on your so You do that, you play simple hockey. Try to get a face off One, if you don't, get the puck behind the D and actually start kidding. Show that you're there. Get those butterflies though. It's like that first hit in football when that first whistle goes off. You want to get a little bit of that nerves and tension out of your system. I do think that's going to go bode well. Plus, to me, it also sets up the type of hockey I think is going to have to, uh, for the single state, they're going to have to win this hockey game. You have to do it below the dot. It's going to be greasy, hard-fought, winning battles-type hockey, getting in front of the crease, uh, getting up Dryden McKay, who, again, as a Holby Baker top hat-trick finalist, is a goaltender. Not an easy task. Now, the other argument to that, Noah, is – does him and the WCHA have they seen the type of talent that in the WCHA and NCHC? The answer simply is no. But does that does that take away anything of how talent he is? Absolutely not. Dredden McKay is a stud of a goaltender. And to me, the same recipe to beat Dreden McKay is the exact same recipe you beat in Spencer Knight. Mm-hmm. Traffic in front, 50-50 battles, second and third chance opportunities. Again, you're not going to get those clean passing plays through the slot and through the scenes. It's going to be pucks on net and crashing the crease. And that's how you're going to beat this Mankato State team here. It comes tomorrow evening.
0: I definitely agree. Also, a hot take here. Uh, Connor Ford just heading from Bowling Green to the University of North Dakota. was just announced here. Uh, Thank you to our listeners and followers for giving us that information. Uh, A quick question here, and then I want to talk about another Huskies player that may or may not be in the lineup, but is kind of a guy that I find uh, is an under-the-radar player that's really grown at the tail end of this year. First, Aaron Stanga asks, the over-under for two grease pan goals tomorrow for the
1: Huskies. What do you think? Huh. over <laughs> and here's why yep. if, it, if it's over they win if it's under they lose honestly yep. honestly i think you have to have two grease pan goals if you're going to come up with a victory if you have less than two you're not looking too good especially at this stage of the season here again at the frozen four. yeah i definitely
0: agree i feel like the dude from mad money where he's always pointing at things right uh but here's a guy that jim i want Kramer. jim kramer yeah what a guy right um he's always angry too maybe you and him could have like a hulk wrestling session um but a guy that I have written on my that card that I wanted to make sure that I that I didn't forget is a senior by the name of Tyler Anderson, who's been in and out of the lineup this year. Kind of more consistently in at the tail end. Uh, he's the kind of that extra defenseman. I really like Tyler Anderson's game. I don't know how much playing time, if any, he's going to get tomorrow. Uh, but he's a guy that I really think is a solid, stable two-way defenseman. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to pop on the score sheet by any means. But he's a guy that I, you know, and this is, again, no offense to the defensive core, but when you look at a, comparing him to a guy who's another bubble player, maybe like Brady Zemer, right? Brady Zemer, I like his game, hard-nosed physical hockey, but he's a guy that's going to maybe kind of be over the edge a little bit in terms of his emotion. He's got kind of that young, raw, emotional energy. Tyler Anderson brings that senior veteran leadership. Also, have you ever had a discussion with Tyler Anderson? Probably one of the nicest human beings on planet Earth. But, you know, guys like that, um, I love, you know, as far as the young guys, Andre Trevor ball in the back end is going to bring that offense too that's kind of the other uh, you know last pairing defenseman but can we kind of give Tyler Anderson some love a little bit here what has you know he brought to this team and why has he suddenly found his way back into the lineup as of late
1: so you, you know, it's Brady Zimmer again, is a guy who loves to be that step-up guy. He loves to be the guy that, you know, throws the big hit, that likes to disrupt plays, especially the opposing team's breakout, not only at the offensive blue line for the Husky, but also in the neutral zone. However, as we know in hockey, you, you know, and know I both are players, is that either, if you're going to do that, you have to either, A, get the body, B, get the puck. you got to get at least one. If they get zero, you're screwed, right? And for, unfortunate for Zemer, also, it's a decision of, is this the best opportunity for me to make that step up, right? Uh, Tyler Anderson, just a little bit more of that controlled, safe, safety valve type defenseman, right, where he's not going to give up that odd man rush. And especially at this level, Noah, you and I both know this as well, and I think Huskies fans do. Any of those short man opportunities against the two on ones, the three on twos, anytime you give up an odd rush against, that is not good. Teams at this level are going to make you pay more often than not for those mistakes. And I think for Brett Larson, for Tyler Anderson, there's some confidence here like, hey, he's going to be the guy that's going to take care the back end. Yeah, he may only play eight to 10 minutes of hockey, but he's going to make that cruel mistake and allow the stage to get above his head and therefore he knows that, hey, if it's a 50-50 puck, if I don't feel comfortable, he's going to back out for Zeamer maybe. And again, nothing against Brady. I think he plays a very good hockey call, but maybe a guy of his age and you know of his youth is the guy that maybe takes that risk, if you want to call it, to go in and make the big hit or step up and make a puck. But unfortunately, it's one mistake that can lose you a game at this level. And I think for uh, for Brett Larson, the squad, for that sure, to stay at home defenseman, that's not going to take that risk. Take care of the, uh, the backhand first and allow – the three and then, well, not three, but I suppose the three guys in the ace of the time, but this offense, the guys to do that job for him, take care of his own and, and let the guys in front do that work, you know, and, and, and do the offense that way yeah I'm happy that there's a senior in the lineup
0: as well too he deserves to at least be on that bench and be in the mix he's earned it over the four years that he's given this program I I got one more guy that I want to talk about with the Huskies and then only a couple more points I also want to talk about kind of who to watch out for as far as Mankato is concerned but the guy that has come on as of late once again that uh, we were hoping was kind of going to break through and kind of find find his way through even if one of them was an empty net or I should say more than one of them as far as the plays were concerned and that is Micah Miller a guy that we've talked about all year you know has that lightning quick speed has that skill and just kind of you know trying to find that extra gear find that extra bounce you know and really hasn't gotten a lot of bounces until late uh what have you liked about Micah Miller's game and what have you seen from him as far as his growth and development to know that hey I haven't scored in 26 games so I'm just going to tuck a couple in my back pocket in the regional tournament
1: First of all, a player like Mike and Miller, when he's got such a broad skill set, right? It's it's easy to focus on, you know, what he brings and when that's not there, right? So, first of all, we know he's a very, very quick skater, too. As Ben Holden would say, he plays downhill, right? He's a guy, he's a linebacker coming up to stuff the run. Um, he's the guy that, you know, I, I would not want to be a guy receiving a breakout pass in the wing because, my goodness, am I going to get hit by a Mack truck? and It's not going to feel very good. Um, <laughs> but for Mike and Miller, um, to me, what's impressive the most is sometimes you just got to trust the simple things, right? right? Trust his speed. Mikey Miller's speed is enough to be dangerous by itself. And in hockey, you Noah, know, you and I and many around the league know this, is that sometimes you don't end up on the score sheet, but sometimes you do the most work and make the best decisions to end up being the big reason why your team scores. Mikey miller has been a lot of that this season now yes is it frustrating for mike and miller that he's not ending up on the score sheet sure but you got to take a bigger look at the big picture right and that is he's the one that's the person in the forecheck laying the big hit he's winning those 50 50 battles now eventually this in hockey all the time is that you do those right things eventually you're going to get rewarded and mike and miller's now finally reaping the seeds that he's sown here late here in the season and to me you know for a guy like him to have confidence, to me, I, I think that's the big word the confidence to go in that, yes, yeah, I'm contributing, but now I'm seeing the numbers on the score sheet. To me, uh, that makes his Husky team even more dangerous. He plays a little bit of swagger, which I know, he, he, I mean, geez, I still remember as a freshman when he outlegged Scott Rich, to go and make a very dirty backhand dangle in behind Hunter Shepard. To me, we know this kid has got the skill and the speed. question is, can he trust it enough to know and not get frustrated that, yeah, you might have not had the primary apple, the secondary assist. He may not have the one that scored the goal, but he's still contributing on the ice, and that's something he's got to understand, especially at this level of hockey, that the little things mean more than just that assist or that goal on the score sheet
0: yeah and you know one of those goals coming from a guy also that I want to mention very briefly and that's Nolan Walker was had a heck of a rebound year uh, and really I've been impressed with his play and I think assisted on Micah Miller's goal that will potentially maybe be a goal of a you know for a couple of years maybe goal of the year as far as just the creativity and the play that that happened I know it maybe wasn't intentional per se but what a weird wacky and altogether kind of fun goal I again as we're kind of wrapping up the last couple of topics here I do encourage anybody who has anything to add into the chat uh, to kind of send us those questions so we can kind of get to those questions here we'd be happy to answer them as well uh, one thing I do want to add because I know Mr. Caleb Peabody is watching here he works for I believe it's Carmichael Lynch which is an ad company that works with the Minnesota Twins and he always asks us questions so I want to ask Caleb if you're working for a kind of low level organization like the Twins how come our elite level podcast isn't sponsored and helped in marketing by your company I'm just super curious about that i'm totally kidding caleb anyway what i do want to know from nick maxson here and my final question that i have from from my own personal personal head here who is who are some of the guys to watch out for or what is the structure to watch out for from a mankato team that from all perspectives as we watched last weekend i gotta say i love their game and i love their balance their balance of you know offense and defense And geez, you want to talk about a group which is maybe the WCHA version of the composure of Minnesota Duluth. I think Mankato's the group, and what are the Huskies and their fans in the middle of having a brain aneurysm like they always do on Twitter have to look out for and kind of take stock of?
1: Well, first of all, you took the words right out of my mouth. But at the end of it, they're very much built and they're structured like UMD, right? Again, Mike Hastings, a former St. Closet Husky himself, right? So you know these guys are good. Um, At the end of it, though, here's what you have to understand about uh, Mankato is that they do play sort of that laid-back but very condensed structure in the neutral zone, right? That's where the Huskies have got to be careful. And that is puck management in their own end and in the neutral zone. Again, you talk about the simple plays. It seems like I'm a broken record at this point. Point, but, again, if there's room to skate, take it. If there isn't, dump the puck and go get it. Again, this is what Mankato wants you to do, and that is they want you to force you into a bad decision, force a turnover, especially between the blue lines, and then because of how skilled and how fast the forwards are, that's how they tr- transition into odd man rushes. Oftentimes it's three on two or maybe in a two on one, and the talent on that roster is good enough where if they get one or two of those, they're going to probably make you pay if not one, if not both of them. So to me, again, it's sticking to your game plan. Don't get frustrated. And for Mankato, again, it's a—it's almost like the clone, honestly, the Bulldogs with a little bit of Huskies in there too, because they have that, sp- that speed and skill uh, involved in that lineup. So again, puck management for both of these squads, honestly, is going to be important for the Huskies especially. Uh, watch out between the blue lines. If it's not there, don't take it. Use your feet. I know Nick Purbix is going to, have to be especially good. Uh, this one part of Nick Purbix's game that I really like is he's not afraid to use his feet to exit the defensive zone. Uh, it's one of the things that a lot of the other defensemen on the Husky squad are not quite as apt to read that play, and that is it, it's very easy just to go to your instincts, right? take that backhand up the sidewall or go off the glass. Nick Perfect does a really good job of opening up his eyes, looking ahead, seeing what's there. And oftentimes, if the right thing to do, he will do that. And I think a lot of that's going to have to come to fruition there for the Huskies. Clean breakouts, get the neutral zone, get the puck behind the go to work and get in that four check and that's how you're going to beat these Mankato Mavericks
0: yeah definitely it's all about establishing your game we talk about it in the playoffs all the time who can find a way to get to their identity first if St. Cloud lets Mankato impose their will similar to the way the University of Minnesota did where they kind of let Mankato dictate the pace I thought the Gophers were a better team than Mankato but they really didn't show it because they let the Mavericks kind of put their foot on the gas pedal and didn't really have a fi- have a way to stop that runaway train nick that's all the questions i have um do you have anything else to add uh, any questions that you have of me uh, or anything that you want to add as far as uh, enjoying your wonderful time in pittsburgh as
1: i get to sit here on my couch and watch uh, the frozen four <laughs> I think again. I think we, what we have to do is we have to thank all the the fans here at the Huskies' mm-hmm. Warmer House podcast. I mean, uh, we're very passionate uh, about this team and especially about college hockey. And uh, you know, we we don't do this, you know, just for the for the heck of it. Actually, we kind of do. But at the end, <laughs> at the at the end of it, um, again, thank you guys for being along for the ride. You know, and to share, yes. uh, allowing us to share what we think about what's going on with this team, um, allowing us to be able to share the stories and the viewpoints of the coaches as well as the players that are on the staff. Um, uh, to me, again, I have nothing but great things to say about scsu athletics uh husky productions kbsc uh utvs i mean you you talk about a school where the athletics department especially the hockey team and the broadcast school are almost intertwined uh we understand each other we know what we're liking to do and uh, they're very apt to work together with us and uh, you know i don't think you really see that a lot in the college one ranks with any sort of sport in the entire country, honestly. So um it, it's great that we're able to share as much as we are and we're, we're grateful that we're along for the ride. And so thank you um for being along for this ride for this year it's not over yet boys. It's certainly not over yet, but at the, you know, we hope to uh, bring you some continued coverage here again, uh, tomorrow, again, a four o'clock central, five o'clock Eastern ESPN two is where this game will be starting against the Mavericks and the Huskies. And, uh, again, thank you for uh, being a part of this journey. And uh, we couldn't be doing this without us. Thank you for your support.
0: Yeah. I want definitely want to thank everybody. Again, this is, as most of you have noted, this is our first ever live stream. And, you know, like for me, especially not coming from a broadcasting and productive background, background Uh, the fact that this has gone off relatively all right so far you know my as nick can attest to my my anxiety level related to the show content was about a two as usual but as far as the technical side was about a 13 so i'm really happy that everyone gave us a chance and came in and did come in and watch the show and i want to say a testament to this as well because my mom talked to me about this last week and she said you know why do you why do you care about Saint Cloud State hockey? She's like you you were only there for a year, and she's like you don't even go to school there, and I think it's to your point. You talk about the culture of this group. It has been an absolute privilege to be able to cover this group and have so many fans that have been able to come in and interact with us and you know talk you know usually pretty positively about hockey you know but of course you know there's a little bit of tension sometimes when it comes to the college game we all want our huskies to win right but the fact that like like i said i grew up as a pretty much a hardcore huskies fan and a little bit of a north dakota fan when i was a little little kid growing up and the fact that like now i'm kind of a full-blooded husky guy yes i was a north dakota fan because all my friends were North Dakota fans and when you're four years old you don't even know what a puck is let alone what a UND Fighting Sioux fan is now that now you know that they're just you know Go Huskies
1: Wu has entered the chat
0: yeah I was gonna say now that you know that they're just <laughs> a fan base that's a little bit uh, off color at times but anyway um, and I live in a state full of them but anyway <laughs> I wanted to kind of make that point a little bit about how I'm in one year this program again and we've been following WCHA and NCHC hockey ever since we were kids. But I know some people say that for us, especially that we're kind of, you know, we're young at this, we're new at this, we're on the front end of this. And, you know, we don't understand the pain of, you know, the Huskies groups of the past, and that might be so. But, you know, our goal in this was to be able to relay what we knew about the game of hockey, what we knew about our experience of watching college hockey. And we just wanted people to engage and have fun with this. And our ultimate hope was that one day we'd be able to cover a team that made it to a frozen fort. And did we ever think that in 15 months of starting this show that we would be at this point? It's just absolutely amazing, and I'm so honored to be a part of it, even from North Dakota. So um, with that being said, Nick, that will do it for episode number 56, Uh, and we thank everyone from coming to the Huston's Warming House podcast. Do not forget, we will have our two-minute preview, which will probably just be a re-upload of what we just did on this show uh, for tomorrow's game. We'll have a recap as well, hopefully another preview and recap on Saturday, and then we'll keep you up to date as kind of – uh, the upcoming show, what it's going to look like as far as Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, just because of Nick's travel plans and that sort of thing. And uh, after that, we're going to take a week off from the Huskies Warming House podcast. So thank you, and we will see you next time.
1: for the Huskies. No. A long Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.